You are listening to episode 26 of ShimmyCast. I'm your host, Anala Rabari. I'm sorry this week's episode is late, you guys, but after getting back from my trip to Chicago, it's been rough find, trying to find time to record. Um, I also didn't have time to research event listings, so we won't have that segment for this week's episode. We are going to have the usual answers to the question of the week, and instead of an article for this week's show, you will hear Ryan and I giving our impressions of Chicago and what we did there, and some belly dancing news from Chicago. This week's review is of the CD Tutankhamun and the Golden Age of the Pharaohs, which is the official soundtrack of the Tutankhamun exhibit. The music for this week's show is from Rhonda Lawrence and Shira Kamen. Submissions for the next article contest will be due January 1st at noon, Greenwich Mean Time. All the guidelines are the same as the previous contest, and you can check those out on the forum board. And just to let you guys know, review submissions, of course, are always accepted. You just send those to shimmycast at gmail.com with the subject line review submission or article contest. So let's get started with answers to the question of the week. And this week we had a lot of people um, catching up on answering some older questions. So here we go. How did you get into belly dance? My name is Renata and I'm from Middle Earth, New Zealand. Laugh out loud. I, that tickles me. <laughs> I love shimmy cast and discovered on my internet journey into belly dance. I started my dancing my dance training 16 years ago with ballet, but I felt restricted by it. Along with that, I was doing modern jazz and contemporary dance, from which I found far more to my liking. Then one day, I went to a gypsy fair and saw some belly dancing, and it reminded me of old movies and Arab nights. And let's just say I was hooked and have been trying to get to classes in my area as often as I can. I just thought I'd drop you a line, and I eagerly await the next installment of ShimmyCast to my iTunes so I can upload it to my iPod. Well, thanks, Renata, and it's glad to know we have some listeners in Middle Earth. I just, I love that I'm a huge Tolkien fan, so. Okay, anyway, sorry. Um, then we have an answer to what has been the most unusual place you've performed. First four weeks in Utah says... Okay, so I haven't performed yet, but I think that my first performance is going to be at the top of my most unusual places performed at list for quite some time. A hospital. My hospital. The hospital where I work. The hospital where I'd like to maintain some semblance of dignity with my coworkers. Something I'm not too great at. Apparently, the Christmas party at my hospital features a talent show. I don't think I'm anywhere near performance caliber yet, and I wasn't planning on belly dancing, but I was outed by one of my coworkers. Everybody has asked me if I'm going to dance. It looks as though I don't have much of a choice. Actually, I'm pretty excited. I just have to maintain an air of cautious reluctance because of that whole dignity thing mentioned above. <laughs> Well, first four weeks, I would have to say, number one, don't worry. Number two, go talk to your teacher and ask them for help. Ask them for input um, as far as, you know, picking a song to perform to, you know, length of song, 
moves to use and, and perform it in front of them first to give you more confidence and they can give you feedback. Um, three, you're not the first dancer to work at a hospital and perform at the hospital where she works. Um, one of our instructors is actually um, in the psychology department at the Veterans Hospital here in our area. And we have performed at the Veterans Hospital a number of times now. And she has always performed with us. Um, it's always been really nice. They do ask us to wear balladies instead of two-piece outfits. So you might want to think about that as far as, you know, being in your own work situation or being in a hospital. Um, I don't know if this is just going to be your coworkers or if some patients might be there. But you you never know with patients, they they might get a little bothered in a good way <laughs> if you're wearing a two-piece costume, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, just those are some things to consider and think about. And I think your performance is going to be awesome. And, yeah, definitely go talk to your instructors and get their input because they should be able to help you with that kind of stuff. And in turn, that'll help you uh, keep some of that dignity that you seem to be so worried about. <laughs> Who are some of your favorite dancers? Suya says, my favorite dancer is almost always the one I'm watching at the time. But I won't let that stop me from trying to answer this question that I'm really curious to hear others' thoughts about. Vermont dancers that come to mind. Mystique, who's one of her teachers. Zahira, another one of her teachers, Alea Thalbit, um, and a troupe of three dancers, Habibi, and each of them individually. Yasmia, Arena, that's not quite right, but something like that, and Piaz, Piaz, I hope I pronounced that right. Who happens to be a guy? So if there are listeners in Vermont, go check out this male dancer. My exposure to national and international dancers is limited to those whose DVDs I own or have rented from Netflix. Of course, my favorites are Serena Ramsey, Ansuya, Rachel Bryce, Sharon Kahara, Sohelia, uh, meaning Sohelia and not Suhelia Salampur, but she also likes Suhelia Salampur as well. Marina... Tharoish, Belly Queen, and Amargamal, and Keshi individually, and Sonia. So thanks for that answer, Suya. And she's in the Vermont area. So then, how did the dance affect your lifestyle? First four weeks in Utah says, Belly Dance hasn't had a great hasn't had a large impact yet. Maybe it will have a greater impact in the future. But I've always dressed this way, cooked this way, and listened to this kind of music. I just have an excuse to do it more often. It also gives me a great excuse to be the center of attention, my favorite place to be. And Suya from Vermont posted on the board, I could go on for days about this, but the most significant impact that belly dance has had for me is that for the first time in my whole life, I feel 100% good about being female, 100% of the time. Well, 98% of the time at least. 
one of the first videos of dancers I watched, i.e. other than bad stereotype clips of dancers that might have appeared in the odd movie or TV show, was Vina and Nina's instructional series. Somewhere in there they spoke about dancing since they were young. Watching them and imagining what it must have been like to grow up feeling completely comfortable with being female and feeling good about moving your hips expressively and your hands femininely brought tears to my eyes. Still does, actually. I was 48 when I started doing this wonderful expressive dance, and there are times I wish I'd forced myself to pursue it more fervently earlier in my life. It was always either too hard to find a teacher or too far to drive or to something else. On the other hand, I'm really, really grateful that right now I have two wonderful teachers whose classes I can attend each week and I only have to drive about 35 minutes each way. This is not the only effect that belly dance has had in my life, but it's probably the best. So I'll shut up for now. And I have to say, Suya, that is a great answer. And we actually have a lot more answers to um, the question, how has belly dance affected your lifestyle? But I'm going to hold off on them until next show because this show is already running, already going to run a little long. So um, we're going to save those answers for next time. This week's review is of the CD Tutankhamun and the Golden Age of the Pharaohs, reviewed by Anala Rabari. The cover for this CD says, The official music created for Tutankhamun and the Golden Age of the Pharaohs, Ambient Sounds of Ancient Egypt. All the music on this CD was written by David Marek. All the tracks are under five minutes in length, which I think makes an excellent candidate for a dance repertoire. I was rather disappointed in the liner notes, as there was no information on instrumentation or how individual songs were inspired. I realized that since this is ambient music, a lot of it was probably simulated instruments, but it still would have been nice to have more information on what the composer was trying to achieve. Mostly I have listened to this CD as background music while at work or home, and I have found it to be refreshing and relaxing for that purpose. For dancing, it might take a more experienced dancer to figure out what to do with this music. Most of the songs lend themselves to quiet, seductive, mysterious, dramatic, or conceptualized pieces. I imagined Vale, Isis Swings, or Rachel Bryce-style dancing to several of these songs. Some of my favorite tracks include Luxar, Ta, Ka, Amarna, and Shu. On the whole, I would not recommend this CD to cabaret dancers or beginning choreographers, unless you are looking for a nice, relaxing, Egyptian-inspired ambient music CD. However, advanced choreographers or dancers looking for conceptualized, unique music should definitely give this CD a listen. And um, just a note, in case you haven't figured out... Um, I found this CD at the Tutankhamun exhibit that I went to, and they actually had quite a few CDs in the store, in the Egyptian 
Tutankhamun store of the museum. And some of them I already own. Some of them I had heard of, but I haven't bought yet. But they're actually on my list to buy. So if any of you go to the Tutankhamun exhibit, be sure to take some time out to look for the CDs that they have there. Because I think you'll enjoy a lot of the CDs that they have to offer. This week's first song is Coconino from the album Music of Waters by Shira Kamen. and feedback. This week I got an email from Psych Spirit. Hi Anala, I wanted to thank you for the words of encouragement in your broadcast number 16. In case you don't remember, it was about my skinny waist. Anyhow, I finally caught up to that episode. So yes, I will definitely do my best to forget about my not really there belly. It just means I will have to shimmy harder. Ha ha. Keep up the great work. P.S. I've been looking all over the web for belly dance blogs, but have not found many. Maybe you could think about collecting some blogs from your listeners and posting it. Just a thought. I recently started a Google group called Belly Blogs, and that can be reached at the email address http colon slash slash groups dot google dot ca slash group slash belly blogs. Anyone is welcome to join. And the link to the new web page of blogs that I put up recently is www.geosites.com slash 
bellyblogs/slash. And these are, you know, that's really cool. I hadn't thought about collecting belly dance blogs, but it probably is a really good thing to do. Um, I've asked Psych Spirit to um, post these links on the forum board, which because of this and because of a lot of other really good websites that are being posted on the board, I started a new forum in the board called Resources. And then that is specifically a place where if you come across a website, you can um, put a link, you know, just shoot a short post to the forum and add a link to any kind of resource websites that you find, whether they're vendors, um, other dancers, blogs, articles, you know, products as far as um, cool hip scarves at good prices or, you know, a CD that you find on Amazon or whatever. Um, just go crazy, guys, recommending stuff. And if anyone has any comments, suggestions, or feedback, you can send an email to shimmycast at gmail.com, post on our forum at shimmycast.blogspot.com, or send an audio. And feel free to vote for us on Podcast Deli, Podcast Pickle, uh, leave reviews on iTunes, and don't forget the wrapper map. So you guys are fixing to hear a discussion between Ryan and I about our trip to Chicago. Um, unfortunately, we only have one really good mic, and I was using it. So at times, Ryan's kind of hard to hear because... Um, it's just a really bad mic, and there was nothing we could do about it. And maybe for Christmas, I'll get a, another good mic. <laughs> so when I have people join me in the ShimmyCast studio, it'll sound better. But um, I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, guys. So this week, instead of having an article, um, I have invited my husband, Ryan, to join me. And we're going to talk about our trip to Chicago and what all we did and our impressions. And, and believe me some of this actually does relate to belly dancing <laughs> and Middle Eastern culture. So um, Ryan and I are here recording in our bedroom and our dog is on the bed because she terribly missed us the entire weekend we were gone. <laughs> and she has not left our side since we've gotten back. So we um, left Northwest Arkansas and flew to Chicago on Saturday, the 11th. And when we left here, it was um, cold, but it was sunny. And the entire flight, it was sunny. You can speak at any time. I don't have to tell <laughs> all of this. I just don't have anything to add to the weather <laughs> weather report. Okay, so we got to Chicago, and this was the really freaky part for me. We're flying around Chicago, and it's all sunny, you know, like we when we left Northwest Arkansas, and then they're like, you know, okay, now we're going to prepare for landing and everything. And then we flew through the clouds and landed, and like in a matter of five seconds, we went from bright sun to like dreary overcast. And we didn't see the sun again for four days. I know. It was crazy. Good God, you're so not good at this. It's like when we're by ourselves, we talk about stuff like this, and he's all like, oh, yeah, it reminds me of this one time when blah, blah, blah. And now you stick a microphone in front of his face and nothing. Those are just stories I thought would only be interesting to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we both had to. This, right? <laughs> I can edit it, and I'll, I'll edit that throat clearing thing out because that just sounded horrible. Um, 
If you hear ice, I'm drinking good good old Arkansas tap water again, my normal drink of choice. And Ryan's drinking some frou-frou sparkly flavored water crap. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay, so um, our first night in Chicago, where did we eat, Ryan? Gino's. Gino's. Pizza. E- East. Gino's East. Oh, yeah. Because the, the, there's more than one Gino's restaurant. We ate at the original Gino's East. It's very good. What did we eat there? Pizza. What kind <laughs> of pizza? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so, um, what was your impressions of the restaurant? Here comes the dog. I, now she's getting in between us. <laughs> it, was, it was really good, and I, and I enjoyed it. But it was a little intense somehow. There were a lot of the people pizza there. or the atmosphere, the the whole the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it, the the atmosphere was there was it was crowded, loud music, kind of dark, and writing all over the wall. Yeah, I could so see the writing on the wall. Yeah. Um, if you've never been to Geno's, that's that's their thing. People write on the walls. Like the only place you can't write is in the bathrooms, which is kind of funny because that's where people usually right. leave their yeah. graffiti. Yeah. So you have you have booth. Walls in the restaurant covered with graffiti and bathrooms absolutely clean. Yeah. And so, and that was a little overwhelming. It was a little busy, but it was kind of cool. Yeah. To me, the food was so good because I was starving because, you know, we hadn't, I hadn't eaten since breakfast. And um, by the time we went to Gino's, it was like six. I don't remember. It was a lot of food, though. Yeah. It was a good filler up. Yeah. Although, I've got to say, I'm, I'm going to take off the Chicago contingent here. Uh-oh. I think I might prefer New York-style pizza. See, I've never had New York-style pizza, so I can't say. Well, the, the, the pizza Gino's, I think it's typical of Chicago-style pizza. It's very thick, uh-huh. very deep dish. Uh-huh. It's almost more like lasagna in a crust. Yeah, it, I will it, say that. It, it's that much stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think I, I prefer a little bit crispier crust and a little bit less stuff on my pizza. Okay. Well, I I do have to say I thought their garlic breadsticks were fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, whole, those were really, really good. good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the other thing I really wanted to get to that we forgot to get was a picture of me under the redhead piano bar sign. Yeah. Because you know I'm a redhead. Down down the corner from our restaurant was uh, the redhead piano bar. Yeah. And uh, we wanted to get a picture of the sign. We didn't make it back by there to, to do it. Yeah. We stayed in the uh, the Talbot Hotel. Holy cow, that was a nice hotel. Yeah, it was it was really embarrassingly nice for us. Honestly. It was, yeah. I mean, it's not that we stay in sleazy hotels. It's just, you know, we're like used to, to Holiday Inn and Best Western. and On some band trips, know. I've stayed in some genuinely sleazy hotels. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. But when we're picking for ourselves, we don't. Right, and, and usually the band puts up in nice hotels too. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. And the the staff was great. Everything we needed, they they were very attentive, very helpful. Yeah. Uh, the concierge was wonderful, and uh, so it was really cool. It was a nice place to stay. Yeah, and it was, but it was. I'm sure if anybody really looked at us, they they probably would have gotten a good chuckle out of us. We obviously there. were a little out of place. Yeah. But, it, the, but the, I, I will say the staff never made us feel that way. No, and, no, and, not at all. You know, we're obviously hillbilly yokels. Yeah. They, um, they never made us feel that way, and they were very nice the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. The the things that I, that I noticed most about Chicago. Um, it's a very tall city. Yes. Compared to what we're used to. It's not Manhattan, yes. but it's 
it's much taller than anything in Arkansas. Oh yeah. And when we got back, it was it was kind of a shock to to see the sky and be in open spaces again. Yeah. Everything everything felt so low and open after we got home. Yeah. Not that I. But in Chicago, I didn't. It wasn't that I had a feeling of like claustrophobia or like no. being being trapped amongst buildings or anything like no, that. It's, it's actually it's, it's actually just fairly open. It's yeah. just not used to. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that that was that was a learning experience. So um, th- and the other thing too about Chicago, the architecture is so beautiful. The you know just the old fashioned beautiful tall yeah. buildings i just couldn't get over that because we don't have buildings like that right. here in arkansas either so um sunday we woke up and we took a cab to atwood cafe where we met julia and jeff who um julia is a shimmy cast listener who lives outside of chicago and we had brunch with them and that was really cool it was a lot of fun i know i had a ton of fun i we it was very funny julia and i both talked about it we were both <laughs> stupidly probably <laughs> really nervous about actually meeting each other <laughs> I, I found that found that highly amusing, but <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was just really weird. I mean, I I love her. She was. I mean, she and Jeff were both such wonderful people. And I know she's probably listening to this, thinking, "Oh my God, you have to be talking <laughs> and complimenting me so much." But they were they were just so much fun and so delightful. But I was really nervous about meeting her because it was like oh my gosh am I going to be what she expects you know and um, Ryan was making fun of me the entire time because I was like does does this shirt look okay with these pants you know maybe I should wear this instead of that and what about these earrings (laughs) and all this kind of stuff and he was just like good lord it's not a date yeah Yeah, it was kind of of weird to think of of you being any kind of celebrity, no offense. I'm just, oh, I know. Yeah. But but when we met them, it really wasn't like that at all. They're really neat, and very fun. Yeah, oh we my actually gosh. have a lot in common with them. I, I really like them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anytime we ever we travel to that area of the country, we're we're always gonna have to look them up and be like, yeah. let's get together again because they were so much fun. We had like all these TV shows in common that we like to watch and everything. And the the food at the Outwood Cafe was really good too. I'm all about the food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was it was it was kind of the, the Shimmycast food tour. It was. <laughs> it yeah. really was. But um yeah we uh Julie and I talked a little shop and hopefully we didn't bore you and Jeff too much while we were talking shop that would be while we were talking computer and sci fi stuff yeah that yeah. was that was convenient that y'all could talk about that <laughs> although there were there were a couple of instances when y'all piped in about belly dance stuff like I think we were talking about the different styles of belly dance and and Jeff was like, I didn't even know there were different styles of belly dance and you made some comment to that made me very proud as an anthropologist. I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, you were talking about. Oh, there's this whole subculture uh, sect of belly dancing that nobody knows about, and I was just impressed that you were using such anthropological terms. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because as, as a longtime uh, computer geek and sci-fi geek and all the different kinds of geek that I am, I'm very well acquainted with obscure subcultures. <laughs> yes. But yeah. Um, and it, it really is kind of neat that it's it almost is this sort of like sisterhood thing. 
to see um, because you, you meet someone who's a belly dancer and it's like you have some kind of secret handshake or secret hip shake or, or whatever <laughs> to recognize each other by. And, and then it's like, oh, well, we've got this thing in common. It's, it's, it's kind of neat to see and watch. So yeah, I've, I've seen that happen in multiple places and at, at, at various times, like at the restaurant that night. Yeah, which, which we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so we left Julia and Jeff, and we made our way to the Field Museum yeah. for the King Tut exhibit. Yes, which we have to, we should pause here for a minute and tell everybody, I have a degree in museum studies. It's very dangerous to ask a museum person or talk to a museum person about critiquing an exhibit. So I will try my very hardest not to go into museum studies mode here. Yeah, it, it's a, Going to a museum with her is very much like going to a movie with a film critic. <laughs> and there really wasn't a lot of terrible stuff to complain about. No, and, and I think all the... the you know, negative critiques that we had, criticisms are something that anybody would walk in and and speak of. Right. And and a lot of them actually weren't things that they would have had much control over either. No, I don't think so. Um, we, we've been to some exhibits in Memphis um, with their Wonders exhibit series, an Inca, Inca exhibit, an Egyptian exhibit. There was one other one. We've been to several there at the Pyramid in Memphis. And... They're typically wonderful exhibits, but they're in a space that was designed as flexible exhibit space. Yes, and and a space that was de designed with the intention of accommodating large crowds. Right, and I, I think the the space that the Field Museum was set up had the exhibit set up in was space that they had had to adapt as exhibit space. Yes, and so they they were working with some physical constraints there. Plus, there are just a lot more people in Chicago than there are in Memphis. Yes, and and Tutankhamun. I mean, you you put the name Tutankhamun on anything, and it's going to draw a larger crowd than right. than uh, most other exhibits as well. And and I'll say that, that that's my probably my biggest criticism about the exhibit itself. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong; it was a wonderful exhibit. It's well worth the trip. If you yeah. get a chance to see it, by all means, do. Yes. Here's what you should be aware of, though. Yes. It is called Tutankhamun and the Golden Age of the Pharaohs. It is far more Golden Age of the Pharaohs. And more specifically, it's actually far more Golden Age. Yes. There are really relatively few Tutankhamun-specific artifacts. Yes. Um, most, in, in, the, in the context of the whole exhibit. Yeah, most of them um, are, you know, if we are... if. Egyptologists understand the lineage of the pharaohs and everything correctly. A lot of the artifacts are like they would have belonged to Tutankhamun's grandmother or great great grandmother. Right. His, his maternal grandparents yeah, his, were yeah. lost stuff from their tomb. Yeah. And they were apparently um, good friends with his grandfather, the pharaoh. Right. And obviously they married his, their daughter, married his son. Right. And, uh, and so they were influential. Uh, aristocrats in Egyptian in Egyptian society themselves, right? Um, and it was definitely cool stuff, and we loved seeing. Oh it. yeah, awesome stuff. But it wasn't it wasn't necessarily as much Tutankhamun as people might have expected. Yes, and if you haven't already heard in newspapers or magazines or any of the reports, Tutankhamun's death mask is not part of this exhibit. The death mask that they are using 
in all the promotional pictures. It's, you know, that's what's on the banners outside the museum. It's, it's what's it's on the their magnets. It's everyone knows, yeah. It's what's on the cover of the CD soundtrack. It's in Cairo. It's in Cairo. It is not in this exhibit. And it is not the fault of any museum personnel that it's not in the exhibit. So please don't yell at them. I felt so sorry for the docent at the end of the exhibit who was taking up the audio guides because a lot of people didn't realize that that mask wasn't in the exhibit and they were griping at this poor person. Right. And they haven't made a secret of the fact that it's not. No. It's been mentioned in all the articles I've seen. And, And that's fine. But then they've advertised and promoted the exhibit using it. Yes. Which I can understand because it's the, the iconic image of Tut. Yes. But it, it could be a little misleading to people who aren't paying attention. Yeah. And sh- people should be aware of that. Yeah. I, I think probably a, a better title for the exhibit may have been like something like the lineage of Tut or something to that effect, you know, or... or Maybe so that... Or, or just the, or the golden pharaohs, or or the age of Tut, or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, but if they had Tut in there, because you double your attendance by having Tut's name attached. Definitely, to it. definitely. I will say I was very impressed with the number of artifacts in the exhibit that were wooden. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the Egyptian exhibits that I have been to before have all been more like the granite and marble and, and stone and metal stone and metal artwork. And so I was very impressed to see that large of it, an example of their wooden work, which I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, it was a great exhibit. It, it was not to me as good as Eternal Egypt in Memphis. Yeah. They didn't have as many artifacts. They didn't have the, the breadth right. of artifacts. And so that makes sense because they were going for things associated with Tut in right. some way. Yeah. Um, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't have the the range of history right necessarily that eternal egypt did but it was good it was good i'm glad we went i'm glad we got a chance to go yeah and i would do it again yeah but you should be aware that it may not be exactly what you're expecting no and there are going there are going to be a ton of people yes it literally is if you need to take your patience with you and don't worry you will have time to see all of the artifacts because it is literally people are are lined up like chest to back scooching along past the the cases so you will have all the time in the world as you scooch by each case to see each artifact and um, ryan and i actually ended up um seeing the back of a lot of great egyptian artifacts most of the cases are freestanding and you can actually walk around the back and sides of them and the, the backs of many of the artifacts are as as intricate and as beautiful as the fronts. Yeah. Especially some of them are, are boxes that look the same on all four yeah, sides. Yeah, they're, they're like chests and chairs and thing of things of that nature right. that are decorated the same on the fronts and backs and things like that. So, And nobody was going around to the back of the cases. So we would just walk around to the back of the case and we'd have all the time in the world. Yeah, it's kind of like the buffet where people only you go know. to one side instead of splitting two sides. Exactly. So if you go around to the backs of the cases, I mean, you get a different perspective than what most people are seeing. And you can take all the time in the world that you want and you can really like bend over and get your face down in there next to the case and really see the intricate right work and the detail on a lot of the beautiful artifacts it always blows me away when i see egyptian artifacts and the details 
the carving that they do and the stones, the the wood carving. I mean, you you just have She's to. impressed. Yeah, I mean, you have to remind yourself the kind of tools that these people were working with. Yeah. And and that's what they had. Right. Um. We really didn't get to see much else at the Field Museum except for that. Yeah, we, we ramped the gym room. Oh and the jade yes. Room. I will say, ladies, if you go to the Field Museum between in in the hallway between the Hall of Gems and the Hall of Jade, they have some freestanding cases that's jewelry. Oh my God, ladies, we're talking India. Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Kuwait. I mean, they had jewelry from all the Near East, Middle Eastern countries out there. And, oh, it was beautiful. I st- if I Iran, wasn't... A- Iraq, I left. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. For, it would be a... a belly dancer's dream to have some of this jewelry ryan's like it was just jewelry but let me tell you i enjoyed looking at it once oh all once i didn't orbit the the displays and look again and go back and i orbited those cases like five or six times girls and i was just like and all i could do was sit there looking at it thinking i wonder what that sounds like when it jingles because it's seriously oh the the bells and stuff that they had and oh it was really pretty. I bet it sounded really nice. Probably would. Ryan's like looking at me like I've lost my marbles. <laughs> it's okay. So, um, at any rate, we got done at the Field Museum, and we went back to the hotel, and um, we decided to eat dinner. And where did we eat dinner, Ryan? At some restaurant whose name I cannot pronounce. <laughs> okay, I'm fairly certain it was pronounced... Tizzy Melul. Sure. Yeah. And it, it's a Mediterranean restaurant. And I'm I'm going to put links up to the restaurant and the dancer that we saw at the restaurant yeah. in the show notes. Because it was freaking fantastic. Yeah, it, was, it was a really great restaurant. So the deal with the restaurant. On Sunday nights, they have belly dancing. A, a belly dancer. And... You go in, and they take you into a semi-private room, which seats about you know somewhere between twenty and twenty-five people, roughly. Yeah, probably, that'd be that'd be tight. But I think their website says twenty-five. Yeah. Um, I think twenty tops, in my opinion. You get all you can drink, red or white wine. Right. It turns out all you can drink is about three glasses in thirty minutes. <laughs> If you're Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and three appetizers. And then you get two belly dance shows. One at seven and one at eight. Right. So, so you get there at like 6.30 or so. and Yeah, because the seating in this room is first come, first serve. Right. So you, you get there at 6.30 or so and have a few drinks. Visit with the, your fellow diners. The dancer comes in about seven. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes set. Fifteen maybe. I thought it was more like 30. I think it was more like 15, mm. eh, 15, 20, 30 minutes said, however long. And then the food comes in after she leaves and you eat some. Well, that, that's not technically true. The food will come in whenever you tell them to bring it in. Okay. For us, the food came in after she left. Because that's what I told the waiter. <laughs> but because of the layout of the room, it's a circular room. 
and she's dancing in the center of the room between all the tables. So it's difficult for them to bring the food in while she's dancing. Yeah. So um, so the food came in after she danced, and we ate, and then she came back at 8 and uh, danced some more, and then we ate some more, and it was a very very lovely night. Yeah, for us, we um, we actually didn't eat since we had brunch with Julia and Jeff. So we were pretty hungry. Right. So the three appetizers were not enough to fill us up. Right, so we, we ordered an entree. And, and split uh, it. And then the dessert later on. Yeah, we split a dessert. But the uh, yeah, the Mater D was wonderful. Oh great yeah, great guy. Uh, his name's Mike, and uh, he was very helpful and and friendly and informative. Mm-hmm. And uh, the waiter was Carrie. Oh wow, you got his name. I got the waiter's name. Aren't you impressed? I am impressed. Um, he he did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the appetizers was supposed to be uh, mussels, grilled mussels or steam s- smoked, steam smoked something. Something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not big on the uh, the muscle oyster thing. So they let us substitute. Right, that was no problem at all. They were they were cool with that. Yeah. Um, made sure we always had refills of everything, and uh, it was really good. Yeah. Excellent service, friendly people. Good yeah. Good food, good atmosphere, good dancing. Yeah. So the the appetizers that we did have were beef kebabs. Mm-hmm. Artichoke fritters. Artichoke fritters with um. Some kind of fantastic sauce. Right. And then I can't remember it. And then Turkish crisps that had an apricot chili sauce, which was right. really good, too. Those, those were really good. Yeah. And then some kind of um, chicken thing for the entree. Yes, our, our entree was a deconstructed chicken. Oh, that's right. Um, with a, a Moroccan traditional chicken pie kind of thing underneath it right. and it was like this nut encrusted chicken and underneath it the stew had like currants and raspberries and and can you tell this was the food tour oh my god the, the food at this restaurant is freaking awesome and their their menu and everything's online too so you guys can see it yeah but it was really good but the, but that's where the belly dance uh, sisterhood comes in <laughs> because one of our fellow diners um, when we first got there there was only one other couple in the in the room and um, she was there and uh, it turns out that she she was there to see her instructor dance who was yes. the dancer that night yes and um, so they immediately identified each other as as belly dancers through the secret handshake it wasn't hard she had a coin belt on. Yes, I guess that's the identifying yeah. characteristic. And, and and I had a peacock hip scarf. So they saw on. they saw each other's belts and scarves and had to compare and, and admire and, and shake a little bit and and they uh, they talked shop and belly dance stuff. Yeah, it was kind of funny. She was um, really sweet. Her name was Denise, and she's only been dancing for about a year. And um, we exchanged business cards, and she was asking me about moves. Um, I think, oh, she first asked me about Lotus Blossom, and I was like, I don't know any move by that name. <laughs> and it's a, it's a hand movement um, that, for the life of me, I can't think of what the name is that we call it by, but it's not Lotus Blossom. The twisty hand thing? Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a twisty hand thing where your wrists are together and you kind of twist the, palm, the your hands around each other. And I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't mastered that one yet, so don't ask me about that. And then she asked me to show her, um, she asked me if I was any good at doing Mayas. Well, I, and actually, she called him a vertical hip figure eight. 
And I was like, well, I, I guess I'm pretty good. Because <laughs> you guys know I'm a little self-conscious about my Mayas. So she asked me if I would show her. And I got up and showed her. <laughs> and I thought it was really funny because the first thing out of her mouth was, holy cow, you're doing that flat-footed. <laughs> Because it's just, it's our style here in our troop. We teach all of our movements totally flat-footed because it gives you a larger range of motion if you can learn to move flat-footed and then um, and learn to do it really low with your knees bent, you know, really low and really grounded. And then later on you can start learning it by bringing your heels up. And it just gives you a wider variety in your movement if you learn stuff flat-footed. But she was really impressed by that. And I, I kind of thought it was a little weird because I thought everybody learned like that. Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. So I had a little impromptu um, shimmy lesson Yeah. <laughs> in the restaurant. Yes. And um, the dancer was very nice. Uh, she invited the, all the ladies up to dance with her. And, and for the two of you who actually were obviously experienced dancers i think it actually turned into a, a little bit of a lesson uh, from yeah her. it was it wasn't so much a lesson as she was just trying to call moves out to us so we would be dancing a little more synchronized and she actually did that with everybody too it's just since denise was her student and i was an experienced dancer we knew what she meant when she called out moves right and and everyone else got them danced with her to with varying degrees of success. Yes. Uh, a couple of the ladies got a little too hoochie coochie. <laughs> uh, I I don't think they really. And they hadn't even been there that long, nor had they been drinking yeah, that I, long. I was two glasses ahead of them, and I was still doing okay. <laughs> and um, I think they just didn't get really what belly dance is. No. Um, common misconceptions, and yeah, I think the other, I think really the other two ladies who danced though, um. They they were actually watching Erica, who was the the belly dancer, mm -hmm. and they were actually trying to follow along right. with her movements. They were trying to mimic her. Right, and and they did a good job. They did. They did a very good job. Um, one so of four out of five. Yeah, one of them. Um, she was just a young girl. They they're on a date, and the other lady who got up and danced. She was, like, probably middle-aged. She was there with her pregnant daughter and son-in-law. Mm. And I'm not sure if it was her birthday or her daughter's birthday. There was a birthday involved. Yeah, there was and a birthday involved in that group. I, I would say she was probably mid-50s. Yeah. She was really cute when she got up and danced. And her, da her daughter, oh, my gosh, <laughs> she just looked so happy. She just bounced up and got in the doorway and did nothing but take pictures of her mom belly dancing. She had such a fun time. And Erica had asked her to come up and dance, and she was just like, oh, no, not with this belly. <laughs> she kept pointing to her belly and was like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah, we, we do have pictures of, of Anala and Denise and Erica dancing. Yes. Uh, I think they turned out okay. We may be able to get some of those up on the website. Yeah, we're. I'll, I'm planning on doing like a little scrapbook um, of all of our pictures that I'll post a link to when we get that done in the show notes so y'all can see that. Yeah. So. So that was, um, that and, was. And dessert was some kind of really good pumpkin mousse thing. Uh, it was good. It was very good. Very good. So we left thoroughly stuffed and satisfied. Yeah. And, and, and I want to say, like I, like I said, the basic package, the two dance shows with all you can drink, wine, 
and three appetizers was $25 a person, which at first I was kind of like, oh my gosh. But then if you think about it, you know, the appetizers themselves are like probably around eight bucks each at oh, least. Yeah. If someone had eaten more recently than we had, that yeah. would have been plenty of food. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, definitely. If somebody had eaten you know, a regular right. breakfast and lunch and everything. Yeah, and um, so when we got ready to leave, um, Mike, the, the maitre d', mm-hmm. was great, helped us get a cab. And uh, I have to just say that the reason we were having trouble with cabs was that um, that we were kind of under the impression that what you do is just sort of stand on the curb and... Wave your arm. And wave your arm a little bit, give a little flick of the wrist, and, and the cab stops and lets you on. Um, we learned from Mike that apparently what you actually do is, is fling yourself into traffic ahead of the cab and... It stops for you, hopefully, and then you get in. And um, I, I I remember that now from um, the Memphis Take Manhattan with them throwing oh, themselves yeah. in front of the cab. And uh, I thought that was a joke. But apparently that really is it's kind of the standard way. You actually step out into the lane and, and flag one down. All I have to say, it was late at night when, when he did that, and it was a, a fairly deserted street, so he was yes. getting way out to get a lot of attention. But we, but I watched people during the day. Yeah, it seemed and, to be kind and of they were doing do the same thing during the day on busy traffic streets. And I have a very strong sense of self-preservation, so there was no way I was fixing to hail a cab like that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just being too sissy about it, I think. Yeah. So um, Monday. We ordered room service for breakfast, which that's the first time I've ever had room service in my life. It was omelets. <laughs> I, I've had... Oh, and there's, there was an honor bar in our hotel room, and I made Ryan take a picture of the honor bar menu. Because <laughs> it was the first time I've ever stayed in a room with an honor bar. Yeah. And they had some swanky water in the honor bar. So we had an honor bar, and, and, and all was fascinated by that. I was. And uh, I, I wasn't so much, but yeah. I can I can understand the the appeal for the first timer. Yeah. And um, so we had room service. We had to have room service while while she was there, so she could do that. I was a little less enamored of room service. It was excellent food, great service. It was right on time and everything. But having been to some computer conferences where I was by myself for a week in a hotel that didn't have anything around it I could get to. Um, I have, I have on occasion eaten room service by myself five days in a row, and that's a little bit less fun than with somebody else one day. Um, so I, I was glad to do it for her, but left to my own devices, there are other things I would eat. Yeah. So from uh, when we got done with breakfast from there, we made our way to the Shed Aquarium. Right. Which was a lot of fun. Um, we saw the dolphin demonstration. And the beluga whales. The, yeah, the beluga whales. And uh, you got to shake hands with the sea lion. I did. I shook hands, sh- hand to fin with the sea lion. It was very cute. Yeah. The, well, what have, they were doing a training demonstration with the sea lion. And um, the guy said, now we're going to need some volunteers. And we want to start with an adult volunteer. And she nearly threw her shoulder out, <laughs> raising her hand and throwing her arm up in the air. And so uh, she was fastest or most enthusiastic or or something. So they they picked me, and I get nearly down to the guy, and he said, no, the reason why we start with adults is because they're pretty good at following directions, to which I said, oh, dear God. (laughs) 
You did all right, though. Yeah, yes, luckily the directions were very simple. It was stand here, face this way, put your hand out. Yeah. So <laughs> there wasn't too much I could make and, a mistake and, with. And the sea lion whose name I forget. Is it Ty? And it didn't feel too nasty. No. no. Sea lions are, are pretty nice feeling. Yeah, they're mammals. So, yeah, um, the aquarium is very nice. It's a good aquarium. Yes. Um, from, from the aquarium, we went to the planetarium. Yes. The... Adler Planetarium? Yes. Ad- Adler. Yes. Adler. A-D-L-E-R. Yes. Yes. Planetarium. Adler. There's only one planetarium in Chicago. You can't really miss it. True. We saw the um, Stars of the Pharaohs show. It was a very Egyptian weekend. Yes, yeah. it was. Um, but the, the coolest thing about the about the planetarium, I think, was that they do have three generations of planetarium technology. Yeah, that was really cool. They have the... Atwood Sphere. Atwood Sphere. Which is about a 10, 12-foot radius metal sphere with holes punched in it. And you go up inside of it, and the holes correspond to stars, and you can see 600-something stars in the night sky. Yeah, they have this little, like, roller coaster ride cart that six people can fit in at a time. Yeah. (laughs) And they drive you up into the sphere yeah. <laughs> and then you see the stars. Absolutely. Kill your knees if they're injured at the time. Yeah, because there's no leg room in this little cart thing. And then they drive you back out. Right. And it, it, it was pretty neat. It was, it was kind of impressive yeah. to see the old the old low-tech uh, um, planetarium. Yeah. They also have the, um, the Star Theater. Yes, that the, has the normal. Right, it's the, the sort of normal planetarium that we're all used to with the big spherical projector thing in the middle that kind of spins around and projects stuff up on the ceiling. And then they have the Sky Rider. Yes. Or Star Rider. Something Rider Theater. Yeah, Star Rider <laughs> Theater, I think. That's uh, the CG projection modern uh, planetarium theater thing. Yeah. And what we what we actually saw was more of a, something more along the lines of an IMAX movie. Right. On a big dome screen ceiling screen thing than right. a traditional planetarium presentation. Right. Um, but we have a planetarium in Arkansas we can go to if we really want that. Yeah. And we had lunch at the planetarium, which was very good. Right. We had salads. Yeah. And um, then Monday night for supper, we uh, just ate at the restaurant at the hotel. Yeah. But you skipped the shopping, though. Yes, I did. Between the planetarium <laughs> and eating dinner at the restaurant, uh, at the hotel restaurant, we went shopping, Yeah. which was... A, another eye-opening experience from two peop- for two people from Arkansas. We started at Macy's. They have a fantastic window display right now that's Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins. The the book, not the Disney movie, although they are playing the Disney movie, movie music. Right. Um, great animatronic window display, and and we just don't have window displays like that here in Arkansas because we don't really have stores with windows facing sidewalks that people walk by. Yeah. It's very automobile-centric. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Macy's, nine stories. Um, Macy's, nine stories. Yeah, it's a a city block, nine stories tall. Yeah. And I think it actually used to be the Marshall Fields. Yes, it did used to be Marshall Fields, yes. Very awesome, very impressive. Very big. Very Yeah, very big. Um, We walked past... Cartier and Tiffany's. We did not go into them. Cause I sped up as we went by. Yeah. They, yeah. It would just be better not to go into those places. It would be places. dangerous to take a belly dancer in those places. It would be. 
It would be very. Um, where else did we go? And we went into Nordstrom's, mm-hmm. walked around. Went to Neiman Marcus. Yes, Neiman Marcus. We bought my sister um, dark chocolate cocoa because she came in house sit and dog sat for us with her three-year-old son, John. And Maggie and John didn't always get along. <laughs> so we had to we had to get her really good, <laughs> really right. good house sitting present, which was dark chocolate cocoa from Neiman Marcus. Uh, we took Ryan into the Apple store. Yes, and the Lego store. And the Lego store. That he was, was a big he, highlight. He, the big highlight for Ryan was the Lego store. Yes, that was cool. Yeah. Just being able to, to bury my arm up to the elbow in a bin of Legos was fantastic. Yeah. And the, the Apple store was cool. That's my first time in an Apple store. It was a little bit more crowded than I would have wanted. And they were doing some remodeling, so it was kind of closed yeah. off part of the way, but... Yeah. Looked pretty cool. Yeah, and it was it was a nice walk around the city at night. Mm-hmm. It was up Michigan Avenue. Yeah, and while we were there, you had made the comment that it's uh, that the entire Michigan Avenue is is really kind of a lot like walking through a big outside mall. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's all shopping. It's a lot of the same stores that we that we have in malls around the rest of the country. So yeah. It's bigger. Yeah, and fairly pedestrian friendly. Yeah. You know. Yeah, if you imagine a great big open air mall with a busy street down the middle of it, yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of the kind of the feel that I got. Yeah, uh, not a bad feel, but but strange to think of a mall that's like a mile long. Yeah, essentially, and um, ate the hotel, ate the hotel restaurant, and mm-hmm. got up the next morning and came home. Yeah, sad. Yeah, there was so much I wanted to do in Chicago that we didn't have time to do. Yeah, we definitely and, have to go back. And there was a lot that. You know, we realized that before we went, so it was it was very much we had to set our priorities and everything. But it, I I think my next priority when I go back to Chicago is going to be going to the Museum of Science and Industry, mm-hmm. which is the only remaining building left from the, sh- the Chicago World's Fair, which is where belly dancing was first introduced to America, and that's why I really want to go see this place. Yeah. It's- some kind of belly dance homecoming for yeah, something. it's like a belly dance mecca. Yeah, <laughs> and then we can go back and we can eat at um, Tizzy Maoli's again because yeah. <laughs> that was freaking good food and good dancing. That yeah, was it was it was really good. it was a fun trip. Um, yes, I'm glad we got to do it. And if any of you go to that restaurant, definitely go prepared to dance and go um, in comfortable shoes. That was one of the bad things. I was wearing um, some like loafer clog kind of things with some really good rubber grips on them and it was really hard to dance on the carpet in my shoes yeah, um, yeah it was a fun trip I'm, I'm glad we got to go yeah and uh, hope we'll get to do something like that again sometime soon yes definitely and uh, at some point in the in the next couple of weeks the 10,000th shimmycast download is going to happen oh yeah yeah, we're over 9,000 right now. And and you, you keep forgetting this, and I'm all excited about it. I know, we're I do. We're going to have some kind of 10,000th download party. <laughs> uh, the 10K party for ShimmyCast. Yeah, so if anybody has any recommend, recommendations on what to do for that. Yeah, I really I really don't know. I don't know either. Cause do a and special the, episode or something. I'm yeah. Sure. 10,000 is happening like in a week. That's true. Um, yeah, was, Probably two weeks. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun traveling and, uh, and getting to meet... Uh, Julie and Jeff, and mm-hmm. um, it really made me think it would be fun for you to do a, a Shimcast meetup somewhere. Yeah. I'm not sure where, because your listeners are, are really scattered all over the place. 
But that's the cool thing about podcasts. Yes. Yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, just make it kind of difficult to, to really meet up somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there's not really a central location for everyone, or, and there aren't really any tight clusters of listeners as far as we can tell. Well, there there seems to be a um, fairly large group on the East Coast. Right. And um, then I think there might be another large group kind of out West, and then there's kind of a group in the middle. <laughs> So they kind of spread out all over the place. Yeah. And um, well, that's just what I can tell from the people who have signed up on the Frapper map. Right. If you haven't signed up on the Frapper map, go ahead and yeah. do that at the uh, at the website. Yeah. And uh, and yeah. It might your, be fun to go to Canada. Do one yeah. in Canada because I do have some Canadian listeners. Well, that could be fun. I know. Or you know, I have some listeners in Australia, and New Zealand too. Yeah, it's a little easier to get to Canada. Thought I had him talked into it. <laughs> so, anyways, guys, um, we're going to wrap it up. I know there wasn't a lot of belly dance talk, but hopefully you enjoyed it anyway. And, um, of course, the show is a little late, um, you know, because I was in here. Chicago. So, for us here at the Rabari household. <laughs> Jimmy Central. Um, we hope y'all are going to have a good week to our American listeners. We hope you have a happy Thanksgiving lit up on Turkey. And to those of you who are not in the United States and don't celebrate Thanksgiving, we hope you have a good week too. And, and we hope you get to eat really good food too. that discussion was long and I actually extremely edited that down if you can believe it I know it's hard to believe but I really did um but hopefully you enjoyed it you got some good information about restaurants to go to to see dancers and whether or not you should see Tutankhamen and all of that kind of stuff and as Ryan mentioned we are fixing to reach the 10,000th download of ShimmyCast so um if anybody has any suggestions on what to do let me know and I'll, I'll try to make the episode after we reach the 10,000th download really fun and really special for you guys. Um, for now, it's time for the question of the week, which is, where do you listen to ShimmyCast? Or what do you do when you listen to ShimmyCast? Julia, when I was in Chicago, Julia told me what she does when she's listening to ShimmyCast. And that got me curious as to what everybody else does. And that I know whenever I'm listening to my the podcasts that I regularly listen to, I can't help but think, I wonder what other people are doing when they listen to this. I mean, most of the time I'm usually driving, but it's like, what what is somebody else doing? You know, I, do they listen to their podcasts when they cook or do they listen when they walk their dog or what? So I just want to know. And to answer, you can send an email to shimmycast at gmail.com or go to our form board at shimmycast.blogspot.com. And, of course, new listeners, feel free to answer the previous questions. Finally, it's time for the second music pick of the week. This song is Voices in the Forest from the album Winter Moon by Rhonda Lawrence. I hope you all enjoy. And until next week, this is Anala Rabari saying shimmy on.
again for listening to ShimmyCast. You can leave us feedback at shimmycast at gmail.com and be sure to visit our website and forum at www.shimmycast.blogspot.com. Remember, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the podcast crew. Thanks again.